0: This is the Wealth ability for CPAs show, Better Clients: Better Practice, Better Life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealthability Show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. This is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealthability Network. So the question is, how do you actually take control and make a difference in your own success rather than being subject to the whims of other people? How do you make sure that you're really doing the right thing um, and the right thing for your clients, the right things, right things for your profession, the right things for your um, for your growth? Today, we're going to discover how to really take control of our professional success. And uh, CPAs, we love to be in control, so it's a perfect topic uh, for this group, I believe. And we have the perfect guest for this, Dr. Alan Patterson, who's uh, really all about a, a blueprint. Uh, for success and for leadership. So, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, please, if you would, just give us a little of your background.
1: Well, thank you, Tom. It'll take three minutes for people to figure out that I'm not a CPA and didn't grow up in this world. And I will tell you and your listeners that uh, during a workshop one time, someone said, oh, yeah, that's Part of Gap, and I wrote G A P up on a flip chart, and just pretty much got booed out of the room. So, to, to, I got I got my comeuppance on that. I've been in the leadership development field for many years. Gray hair, balding, forty years. And during that time, I've been privileged to work with people in your profession and probably your listeners' profession uh, by doing workshops with AICPA and the Business Learning Institute. I'm a leadership development guy. That's really what I've done my entire career. I've had uh, opportunity to work with some great companies, some big ones, uh, Anheuser-Busch, Johnson & Johnson, Hewlett-Packard. Um, I've worked with a small public accounting firm here locally in in Wisconsin who's growing uh, by leaps and bounds. I I think I understand your world a little bit. I'm not limited to just finance and accounting. I've done a lot of work in the biotech area. I can tell you the groups that I seem to enjoy and resonate with the most, Tom, are the ones that... Have very high expectations for technical competence. Mm -hmm. And then I I don't call them soft skills, but it's that additional skill set that's needed and what that looks like and how you acquire it. So, I mean, consulting, coaching—you uh, know the, you know what, what, what a, what doesn't a consultant do these days? Right,
0: right. Well, you, you know, accounts aren't exactly known for our uh, sparkling personalities and our right. uh, communication skills. So, uh, which I think is actually our, our our number one issue, is communication. One of the things that I see in the profession right now, and we I'm very involved in the profession and building a network of CPA firms. One of the things I'm seeing is th- this, this really need and actually desire to shift from uh, compliance work and, you know, kind of that basic work that we've always done, tax returns, financial statements, et cetera, to more of a, uh, of a leader for our clients. A strategic leader, actually taking our clients and helping our clients be more profitable, helping them to be more successful. How do you make that shift?
1: Well, it's not a single shift especially if an organization is seeing it as compliance only and compliance being a bad thing a roadblock because you could say i always said my understanding of compliance is if you're successful the organization gets nothing if you're not in compliance you really get messed up so it's like well what's the benefit but when you move beyond that And you see this in, in, I've seen it in finance and accounting organizations, there is all that transactional, those requirements, which means people have to be specialists. That's not a bad role, but it's very, very narrow. So if you're only compliance, I'm saying, how do you view yourself uh, and how do your clients view you in a role other than just saying no? And that would be by providing some advice. But the move up this particular stage is, as I see it, Tom, is that that transactional, while that transactional part is the base, the really great role to have is that of an expert. And what that means is that you're providing guidance and uh, solutions, even if your client may not be asking for it. Because I, I saw this in the IT field many years ago, and and how people uh, struggled to see that group differently. And I would say in the profession and finance and accounting, that role of an expert is a great role. Tom, I'm working on something. I'm not really sure. I'm working on this part of the book. You've dealt with so many people it's like give me your give me your thoughts on this what do you think I should be doing because that role means that people are going to be willing to listen to you and that sometimes means you I say you have to invite yourself to the meeting when you're the last person to know you're shut out and shut out is they don't people don't want you there they they haven't thought about you or you're going to be seen as as taking people off track So you've got that expert role, but that expert role is primarily about accounting. When you really get to understand the business and organization you're working for, whether it's public accounting or whether you're working for a business, the role you want is the role of, I'm changing your definition slightly, as one of a business partner. The difference there is not what you know about accounting. It's what you know about the business. So the access you want people to get better at is to really be knowledgeable about the business and the the finance and accounting. That's just what you do. So to be to get there, I say you want to at least get to that expert perception because that means people will use you, you have to be willing, I, all those skills, you have to be, be willing to listen to identify problems, people are going to ask you for something and say, well, before I do that, let me know more about what you're doing. And you get all those other skills that are around it. But it's, it's completely fascinating, because once people are seeing differently, they'll be engaged differently. And it doesn't happen because people because of of what other people do it happens because what you do
0: yeah so so you actually bring up several different points that I kind of yeah. want to unpack a little bit um the first is the question is are you a transactional business or a relationship business so you know w- w- if typically what has happened in our profession is we wait for the phone to ring you know you you talk about you need to invite yourself to the to the meeting. meeting, Well, I, I would go a step further and say, you actually need to be the one that creates the meeting, sets up the meeting and creates the topic for the meeting. You can't wait for the client to do that because you know, the, the better questions to ask the clients don't know the right questions to ask. And so if you're waiting for them to ask you questions to me is you're not doing your job because your job is to ask the questions to prompt the responses, because, which brings me to the second point, which is, I've never met an entrepreneur who wanted to know what they can't do. Not even once. And because and, you brought it right up from the beginning, right? Other than just saying no, what can you do? And I'm going, saying no is the worst thing that you can do for a client, in my opinion, because I've never met a client that wanted to know what they can't do. Rather, what they want to know is how do I, how do I do what I want to do? So for example, if 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 they've got a a new new uh, coffee mug and they say is this deductible? I'm going well. The better the better question to me is how do I make this deductible? Because I want to know how do I solve the problem. So can can we look at those two things uh, just for a second? You can talk about first about the idea between being having that relationship versus being just a transactional uh, engagement.
1: Yeah, I I, I do and And, and it, it, this is consultant speak, and I'll do my best to make it non jargon, but you, you can do the inst, you can do the instant translation on the crawler underneath what Alan is talking about. The transactional part to me is there, and it's a, it's, as you've said, to a great extent it's meeting it's solving a problem. but if you're really looking to shift what that looks like, it's spending time building those relationships. There have to be reasons to get in front of people. And sometimes, and you know this from a sales perspective, sometimes it's, uh, in this case, you'd be calling a client and say, look, I'm thinking of you. I know the law is going to change. I think we should be reviewing thus and so. Just want you to be, full. it's like, where did that come from? It comes from you. It doesn't come from the client. So the building the relationship part will be a full-time job. It is, I would argue, and that's what I've written in this, my my most recent book, that's what it's all about. The technical part, do you have to stay up to date and know what gap is? Hell yeah. Heck yeah. Absolutely. But that's what you do if you're going to provide Any knowledge to people, it happens because they trust you and and, and you have credibility. And that doesn't happen because you're smart. I say the only two people who care if you're smart are you and your mother. Other than that, what people want to know is, can you help me? Can you guide me? And it's not I'll sit back and wait for the phone to ring. So I I can't say that it's, you know, indicative throughout your uh, industry. I can just say that in order to get in that role, it is a major issue. It's a major initiative to be building those relationships and where it starts and not oddly enough is exactly what you've said. It's the ability to ask the right questions and to Shut up and listen. <laughs> well, maybe not with the shut up. And where no, does I, that? Come? I mean that that's how it happens.
0: It, it, there, there's no question. And you know, you you do have to develop your technical expertise, else they're not going. They're not going to trust you for your answers anyway. But to me, the the number one, the the actual number one skill set of an advisor is to ask good questions. And if we can't learn how to ask good questions, then I think we can never serve our clients very well.
1: I don't know how else you would really start to understand. That's the job. Doesn't matter when somebody comes and says, hey, listen, I want the same software, accounting software that my brother-in-law has. It's like, well, okay, let's see. Let me ask you a few questions. Where does it hurt? (laughs) You know, what are the symptoms? What's causing you? and and I, I couldn't agree with you more. and, and that you know, that is a, that's an acquired skill. That doesn't have to be innate. that but it's an acquired skill. and that's what you would want to be training people and developing people around. I think that's how you get new business.
0: let me ask you a question. So sure, to me, it's it's actually easy because I'm very curious. I, I want to know everything, right? So I want to know how the tax law works. I wanna know, I I just wrote a book called The win win Wealth Strategy that's coming out. And and this is a a book about, okay, why does the government give tax incentives? What do they get out of it? And and it seems to me that as if, if we're curious enough we're going to we're going to ask questions because we want to know the answers not because we think this is a good way to build a relationship just because we want to serve the client and the best way to serve the client is to find out what they need and then find out what their problems are and then to you know help them with a the solution to it
1: well you know i love the fact that you're using the word curious and my latest here venture on the on the book side about you don't never want to reverse this to burn ladders and build bridges is to say the burning ladders is changing the mindset it's not about the the individually you know how you climb what's important is the actions that you take in that different mindset which is more relationship based so to your point I think what would probably be called personality traits, but they're trainable. These are trainable. And the two that I think of, one is curiosity. And the problem there, you tell me, I think we've engineered it out of people. because kids that say, I just read this. Kids, curiosity peaks at age four or five. What the heck are we doing? But when you've got it, when natural, you're a natural. You how can you do these shows if you weren't curious, there would be nothing, you'd be reading off a script, and you, I don't know you, but you would be dying, that's the last thing you want, (laughs) and the other one, my word is, rather than call it uh, rational thinking, I think of it as discernment, it's what does this mean, And those two are parallel tracks. I just think that's cool. I think, and that's what good teachers do. That's what good coaches do. That's what good leaders do. It's like, well, Tom, tell me, what do you think's driving this? And what would be the impact of this? And some of that's curiosity. And curiosity, I say, is the itch that has to be scratched. I mean, you can get a little bit snarky sometimes with it, but it is so, it's like, here's a dumb question coming up and it's like i don't care what you characterize it is i i want to know
0: just a minute ago you said this these things can be trained how do you you know i now i'm fortunate i grew up with parents that were very curious they they just i mean my, my parents both graduated from high school when they were 15 i mean they just they were wow. just but they were just <laughs> avid learners and that, and my mother had this theory that she goes There's 50,000 answers to any question. We only have identified three of them. So we need to look at the rest of them. Keep going, yeah. Right, So, and and that's how she was. She was a voracious reader, et cetera. So I get how I was trained into that because I look at my siblings and basically we're all the same that way. And it's actually, that's what's contributed to our success is that curiosity and that desire to learn. I get that with kids and, you know, I'm hoping that I can do that with my grandkids. But how do you do that with, your employees, because your employees aren't, they're not four-year-olds and five-year-olds that you can train. They're, they're 25-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 35-year-olds, and they've had all of that trained out of them. So how do you right. give it back right. to them?
1: Yeah, great point. It, I say it's engineered out, and that's what you're saying. Uh, so on the curiosity side, the trainable part, the skill related part is what we just talked about in my mind. And that is the ability to ask probing questions. So you have to, you have to teach people to listen. So when you say, Tom, when you say this is a big problem, what does that mean? What does that look like? So you learn how to do that. When you say, oh, this really got us into a lot of trouble. Okay. Can you give me an example of that? You le- you teach people how to have those types of skills and conversations. So it's not innate curiosity because I wouldn't have to tell you or, or your parents or I wouldn't have to tell your parents or, or they wouldn't have to tell you about how you do that. It's like, well, wait a minute, I don't understand. How, could the, how can that tax law be changed when two years ago, there's a thus and so? The other thing is a little more complicated, the discernment and and the, and the ability to think through issues, which I think is one of the number one requirements that uh, employers want from college grads for and they don't feel sure. they're getting it. And it's like, I, I, it's hard for me to believe, but it, I know it's true. It's not even the scientific method because I'm not even sure that that's being taught that way. But I think it's more than that because you're trying to get people to, to say, tell me what you see go back, dissect this for me, Tom, tell me what you see. And the harder question is, tell me what you don't see. Mm. And so that kind of thinking, I think has a little more gray matter attached to it. And I think the best you can hope for is not just to find the answer, but to do the, your due diligence around, give me the context, which is, I mean, what am I saying? It's just, it. it's all that inquiry route that that your parents use, that you use, you, that it's like, that's what you want. That's the environment you want. That's how you want to train people. It's like, I don't want, the answer, I want to understand it. I want to understand what you see as options. I want your recommendation. what uh, talk to me. I'm not I don't have the answer go.
0: yeah, I, I love that. So a couple of things that we do in our CPA firm is I always say you have to start big and then get small because what CPAs tend to do is they have a <laughs> they have a tendency to start small and then get smaller. okay so that, <laughs> They actually never see the big picture. They never see the context and they never ask, well, why, you know, why is this the way it is? Why is this, for example, why are there seven different definitions of a dependent in the tax law? And why, why is one different than another? Because once you discover that, that that's where you actually can do magic for clients is when you actually are breaking that down like that and, and discovering that. The other thing that we found is, is that, I find a lot of CPAs, they want to just get the answer. And so they'll ask a question. So, for example, a a staff member is working on a tax return. They ask a question, and what the manager does is gives them an answer, which I think is a horrible thing to do, because what I want to do is I going to go, well, you tell me what you think the answer to be and where you got that answer. If I give you the answer, you're not learning anything.
1: Yeah, and, and, and to that point, that is the role of the manager. You know, people think of delegation and development as this kind of funky, I, I got to go take a course in delegation. I had a fellow that was a superintendent, a shop superintendent in a cheese factory here in Wisconsin. He said, okay, here's how it works. Somebody comes to me and says, boss, what do you want me to do? And I say to them, what's the problem? And they tell me, what are, what are the options? Then they tell me, what do you think should be done? And then they tell me, it's like, we'll go out and do it. And then you realize, you know, that why I say it's a trick question. When somebody says, Tom, what do you want me to do? It is a trick question. And I tell my clients that unless you want to be, unless you want people lined up at the door, because if you answer it today, I guarantee you somebody's going to be in line tomorrow, may not be that question. I say, it's just pick a number. So you don't build capacity that way. That's not how you do it. Giving and the giving answers is the root. And in and, and all fairness, that's what we were trained to do. That's what yep. school does for us. Exactly, it's that's like, what school does ki- to us. Right, right. I don't want, I don't, just give me the answer. That's all I'm looking for. And I'm saying, I don't know. Tell me what's inside your head because I, I think that's where the magic is. I think that's where the beauty is. And on a different note, Tom, I think that's where the connection in the relationship is. That I would take the time to want to understand what's critical and important to you. I mean, what am what, I don't know. Your mother told you this. Your father told you this.
0: Well, so so here's here, here's here's the analogy I use. If you go to a doctor, how much and you've got a 20-minute appointment with that doctor, how much of that 20 minutes does the doctor spend telling telling you how how great his diploma is in the school he went to <laughs> or, or even giving you an answer i mean right. 19 minutes of that 20 20 minutes is ask asking uh, probing questions. It's asking those questions and getting to, okay, what's, what is really causing this pain? Not just what is the pain, right. but what is actually causing this pain? what do you do differently? What What's different today than it was three days ago? What's happening there? And then it's a matter of just, oh, well here, take this.
1: Yeah. And, and, and to a related point, it's when you take, when you provide that kind of guidance that meaning giving the answer what you're doing is perpetuating the transactional role and that's not what you're looking for because it's like okay let's find an it a client has asked me how can i you tell me you know how can i deduct this and and there's so many definitions and it's like okay you're debating do how much do i educate how much well it depends on the client but clearly but the ability to get out of this transactional part is when you start to understand, not the obviously their pain. I say obviously because that's what we, that's the, you know, let's yeah. find the pain point. But it's tell me more about what you're, give me the background. Tell me more about where this fits. What are you, tell me what you're trying to do? Because I will be happy to provide you with my guidance. That's the expertise part. Instead of, Oh, you want a computer that's, uh, you want a program that's this wide and this tall. It's like, okay, well, that's going to take off. How do you know? And so I think that's, I think in terms of practices and routines, Tom, that's what you want people in leadership positions, I feel, to be doing. That's the job. You're, you, you probably have a, a specialty in your field, uh, but I can't imagine that's your value. To the organization
0: no for oh for sure for sure I, I i totally agree so so let me ask you uh your your book is burn ladders build bridges and uh help just help us understand what what do you mean by burning bridges i mean bur- i'm sorry yeah not well burning that's bridges, a problem. Burning ladders burning <laughs> burn ladders,
1: <laughs> burn ladders. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. too many people are burning bridges burn, yeah, that's right right no, don't,
1: no, yeah don't reverse those that, that could be a problem i I am struck to your very initial point of how many people leave the development of their career to somebody else and thinking they're gonna figure it out. And my, my answer to that is that's not gonna happen. Nobody, uh, the person, the only person responsible for your career development is you. So that's the change. I don't care how good your company is. I don't care how good the culture is. I don't care what the the, the posters on the wall say. That, that doesn't mean anything. What means is what's critical and important to you. And while they' the new the, the new kids on the block, the young and the restless are coming out of college, according to Gallup and, and you know some of the studies, it's like four out of five want a job with meaning and purpose. I don't even know that people understand what that is. but I'm taking that as a good thing. and there are tons of people, probably including you and me. I know including me, I don't know you, but you're in your own business. This came from something from somewhere that are looking for meaning and purpose. So I say that what ladder burning is, is changing your mindset from taking yourself out of the center of your universe and putting the success of other people in the middle. And your job is to do this not by accomplishing stuff, but by building relationships and finding people like yourself, who my words, who are interested, and interesting. And I think that, I mean, gosh, I hope we get to talk again. I mean, this is just like, this is is just open season, you know? It's like, you know, to share the same interest. And I say, that's the motivation. So that's burning the ladder. Building the bridges is taking action to go out and build those relationships. And it's not networking. I'm not talking about networking, that too. But I'm talking about finding people and that doesn't happen because they find you. You have to find that. And it's, it's not difficult.
0: I love it. I love it. So uh, final, uh, two or three final points that uh, you know, just steps people can take to take control okay. of, their, uh, of, of their profession, take control of their business,
1: take control of their lives. It's start, the best place to start if you haven't done that is your current job. I'm not, this is not, and this is an original thought. This is not about getting inside your head and doing the plus and minus. I know some consultants, that's what they say. You know, what I like to do, what do I hate to do, and what do I somewhat like to do? I think this is more on on a very practical terms of understanding what is your role and how do you define that and how do you create a context around it? It's not just what you do, it's how you do it and, the, and the, the, the big winner is, who do you do it with? Because as you progress in your career, you're going to find not only those people change, but their level of importance changes. Yeah. Um, I think you need to be very visible to other people and have conversations with others about w- what are some of the small steps that you could take. to to, to not only take control, but to look to move in a direction that you would like. And I think to a great extent, it can start with what are the conversations that you grab control over with your boss. I don't understand what I'm responsible for. It's not tell me what I have to do. It's what can we discuss this and let me tell you how I see it and you give me your thoughts. Here's where I see myself. I would really like to know Uh, what's required to move to the next level. Just let can we lay it out? Oh, here, I've done it. Tell me what you think. That's what it means to take control. And then ultimately, you're going to be looking at if you're working in a bad work situation. I mean, I don't want to be It's But if you're working for somebody that really doesn't get it or an organization, I know this is, uh, it it sounds like heresy. It's like, why would you do that? Especially if you're really experienced. Why would you do that to you? I need a job. Of course you do. I have to support my family. Of course you do. Why would you have your reputation and your experience uh, soiled by so I say the road climbing the ladder is the road to not good enough that's kind of the Peter Prince I like it yep. it's not the road to not good enough because eventually you're going to get to a point where you are not going to be able to move so that what it means to take control is by doing this changing the mindset and saying, look if I can help other people succeed I know this sounds like motherhood and apple pie I can I I we'll find those opportunities i i promise that and you say well show me the research on promise it's like yeah okay That's i so i
0: i i just love that last piece there um because helping other people succeed is the way we succeed it is it is really the way we succeed um we're we're helping our clients we're helping our staff or we're helping our boss i mean right. the reality is the reality. so I, I i am the boss i'm at the top of the ladder I've got four businesses. I'm the top ladder in every one. Okay, so what I would want to know is if if you are looking at at you want to move up, you want to do tell tell me, okay, tell me what you're going to do to make this organization succeed. Tell me what you can do for this organization. Find out what does the organization need, and then you know produce produce the solution. One of the things, one of the rules we have in our business is. Um, don't ever bring me a problem without bringing me a solution. Sure. And if you can identify the problem and then identify a solution, I, I would kill, I, I'd kill for all the people I can get like that.
1: Yeah. How's this? How's this for even another, uh, another uh, approach, uh, Tom, to the same question? How many people come to you and say, not about the business, Tom, tell me how I can help you be successful in this coming year. Now, some of that is a good tactic with a manager who you're you're not sure has your best interest, okay? That we know, but who would come to you and say, tell me what I can, let's talk about what I can do. And you say, okay, Alan, you gotta learn the business. Okay, let's let's talk specifics here. And then uh, you're not telling me exactly what to do, but at least we've had that conversation. And, oh, uh, over the weekend, Tom, it's funny. I was reading this book and I was really thinking about you. And, you know, I'm wondering about what's going to be the next. I mean, this is a big issue for me. It's like, where what's work going to look like five years from now? Right. And it's like, I don't know. Well, here's my thoughts on it. Tell me what you think. That's a double whammy. I get the discussion. I get the interaction. I get the relationship.
0: I love it. Dr. Alan Patterson, Burn Ladders. Burn Ladders, Build Bridges,
1: Pursuing Work with Meaning and Purpose. Uh,
0: Alan, uh, for more information, where can we come?
1: Uh, Well, books on Amazon. And I have a website that I've named ladderburners.com. So that's catchy enough. I've got a lot of information there um, awesome. and to share. So I, I would steer people that way. And I, I, I want to f- thank you, Tom. I know we're signing off. I want to thank also thank your staff and the people for putting this together. That's it, it's just it's just neat stuff. And this is a I, I think it's a great I,
0: I appreciate that. We have a, I, I am fortunate to have a whole lot of bridges with a whole lot of amazing people. <laughs> And uh, and and that that support the mission, support what we do, support our vision, and I, I love that. And, and you're one of those. It's it's just been great talking to you, Alan. Uh, really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, learning more about uh, burning ladders. I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan of the concept. Burn the yeah. ladder, forget the ladder. Okay, you know my my uh, again. Go back to my mother. You know people always say, well, you need to. You need to think outside the box, and my mother would say, "Why do you have a box?" Exactly. There's no box. Get rid of the box. Get there's rid of the no box. box. There's, there's the one. Maybe, maybe that's the book we write together, Ellen. Well, that would be good. Box.
1: I say, don't change the
0: rules; change the game for God. Exactly. I love it. I love it. There we go. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate just, it. Just remember that that really, when you do take control of your career, when you take control of your, of yourself and your success, what's always going to happen is you're always going to have better clients, a better practice and a better life. we will see y'all next time. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show, better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to wealthability.com.